United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, still flying high after a glorious week being a part of the digital convention. I hope that you enjoyed the different aspects of the digital convention, and I hope that you have the time to review all of the incredible sessions and realize all the great work that the people put in to make the digital convention a success. Speaking of the digital convention, some of you may have caught the one-on-one interview I did with Hank Steinbrecher. He is on to run it back after a great outreach to him and everybody checking in on him. Hank Steinbrecher will kick it off. Michael Lewis, a longtime soccer reporter, one of the best in the business. He heard that Hank Steinbrecher interview and wrote some stories after that interview. So Michael Lewis joins me. Jeff Van Dusen, the director of operations and events for United Soccer Coaches, who really pulled the entire thing off with a great staff. He joins me to recap the digital convention. And then Al Albert, the longtime chair of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. He's still involved with the foundation. He comes on to tout the foundation. And we wrap it up with Kelsey Yam, another member of the 30 Under 30 class. And it all starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I am Dean Linky, and this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. And I just told you we kick it off with Hank Steinbrecher, who was a key part of the digital convention, a glorious week, one that I will always remember and treasure and be grateful for the United Soccer Coaches staff, the HMX Live studio staff, and really the entire soccer family. And Hank Steinbrecher, we had that great one-on-one interview. He's kind enough to run it back, Hank Steinbrecher style. Hank, thanks for kicking off this week's show. Hey, I'm happy to be with you, Dean. You know that. Well, as you reflect first on the digital convention, then we'll get to your interview. What were your thoughts? Because obviously it's the first time we've ever had to do it this way because of the pandemic. Did you enjoy it, Hank? I enjoyed it very much, but it made me lonely because you go through a cycle of life, cycle of seasons. And every January, that cycle would mean I'd be on the road at the convention. So I was lonely for the times in the bars, Mm. uh, the times meeting people in the hallway, the times walking through the show. I missed that. But I thought, given what we have to do, this was as good as it gets. Josie was was unbelievable. Uh, I couldn't believe the candidness of his conversation. So he and Joe must have one heck of a friendship. And then, of course, I'd always always want to listen to what our national team coaches have to say. There was one session that I particularly enjoyed, and that was Ray Reed mm. and his team of captains and what it took to win. I thought that that was a, a very good, very in, impressive uh, performance. 
As you know, Hank, we sat down over a month ago and it was a great interview. I, I really enjoyed it as we walked through your incredible path. And I feel like I can speak for you and say that, you know, you enjoyed it. And now it was unveiled. And after the unveiling, my phone was blowing up. My email was blowing up. Michael Lewis, who will follow you on this podcast, you know, really picked out the Gatorade story and also picked out uh, your health condition. Let's start with the latter. Uh, just get an update quick on how you're doing. You look fantastic, Hank. Of course, people can't see you, and that's mainly because they don't want to see me. But um, you look fantastic, Hank. How are you feeling? Uh, today, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I tell people now all the time that I wish my insides looked as good as my outsides <laughs> so, listen it's a you hate to say it but it's it at times it's a struggle well i appreciate your candor and then you know the other story the gatorade story which is one that i've never tired of as you know i could hear it a million times but some people that knew you well didn't exactly know that whole story and there was a nice little movement on that gatorade story which was really fantastic well, it, was, it, it was unbelievable i heard from a bunch of my old colleagues at gatorade so that, that was really great. I mean, people I hadn't heard from for, for years. The, a guy from NASCAR, Larry Camp, uh, sent me an email, you know, talking about it. And, and people from the staff at, uh, at Quaker Oats, they, they also contacted me. So it was, it was really uh, very, very nice. It's interesting, Hank Steinbrecher, and I appreciate the fact that you do have a, a sense of humor and you're still enjoying life and you're going on walks, enjoying your wife and your kids who are amazing. And uh, but, you know, between the Warren Wilson dedicating the field and and now this, you've kind of made the comment of in all the zooms like you are able to kind of see your eulogy as you know, you try to soak in every single moment and feel it and feel the love. And if you could put that into words for the folks, um, because I know you've said it to me, but uh, on this podcast, that would be great. Uh, I think what has to happen I mean, when the doctors tell you that uh, there's nothing more that they can do and you just got to live life as, as well as you can, it gives it, you have to have such reflection and uh, you have to become at peace with yourself. You have to know what you've done right, and you have to know somewhat of what you've done wrong. But the outpouring of affection that I've received is worth more than any money in the world. Uh, worth more than any money in the world. Uh, the boys at Warren Wilson, the, uh, the association dean, people like you, uh, I think the, the credit you give me is far overblown. Uh, but uh, I'm at a very good place because of it. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't want to go any quicker than I have to go. Mm. You know, and God hope that it's a long time that I keep, keep on ticking and keep on kicking. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, but if it comes today, I'm a very contented guy. Well, uh, I like that you said keep on kicking. And one of the things that there's going to be young people that are going to be able to keep on kicking on a field named after you. And Hank, that's just such a big deal what Warren Wilson is doing. I'm grateful that our family was able to get involved with that. And it's starting to get to the point where it's all going to be official and it's going to sizzle and it's always going to be Hank Steinbrecher on that field in that stadium. That's going to be pretty awesome. It's very awesome. And it'll be there forever. But there's already been some photographs taken there. Okay. Uh, my best friend in life, my teammate at DNA, Davis and Alkins, and my roommate, uh, Niels Hanke, 
brought, he was down in Asheville, North Carolina, brought his family over to take a picture below the sign. <laughs> All right. Yeah, which was really cool. Okay, I'm glad you said that. I'm supposed to be in Asheville in a couple of weeks. I'll try to get by there as well. Oh, you well. got to get by. If you've yeah. never been to that college, but you have, haven't you? I have, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is a beautiful place. It is. It's spectacular. Very unique. Very, very beautiful. Yeah. One of the things that also was triggered by our one-on-one -on -one is the media and Michael Lewis, who is, um, you know, right up there with Paul Gardner as far as uh, longevity as a soccer journalist and. Uh, Michael Lewis will follow you. And one of the things he said was, you know, Hank was always open with me. He would call me if I did something wrong. He would call me if I did something right. And he also let me say to him, you know, Hank, I'm not sure about uh, the direction you're going here. What do you think? And to have that dialogue with someone of the media, that's not always easy, Hank. It's a matter of trust, you know, because he has his point to get across. He wants to write a story in a certain way. And I have my story that I want to tell. So, I mean, you do media training, I, which I did when I was with Quaker Oats, and it's a game within a game. Uh, but you have to trust the person that you're sitting across from in an interview. And Mike never breached that trust. Never, ever, because I tell him things and I'd say, you know, Mike, you, you may not want to talk about this. Uh, and he, oh, he was always true to form. I have a tremendous respect for him. And you want to talk about the heart of the game? I mean, he, he may have had a different story than I did, but I respected it greatly because I knew where it was in his heart. I mean, he was true blue soccer man. He was, yeah, way back to the days of Pele at the, the Cosmos and then sticking with it forever, indeed. And we, were, we were inducted in the Long Island Soccer Hall of Fame together. Okay. Which was a, a very, very nice moment for me. Well, it was interesting, too, because one of the things he did say, he was aware of your health issues but wanted to be respectful. He also thought that it was really nice of you to share with so many people who love you, and that is with United Soccer Coaches and, of course, U.S. Soccer, your current situation. So he was grateful that you made that public. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, you have a choice. Uh, whether you want to talk about it or whether you just want to shut up and fade away. And uh, I have a responsibility to others, right? Because this is an inherited disease. And uh, the more you know about it, the better off you are if you find out and test when you're young because you have much greater chances of survival uh, through treatment if, it, if it's found out. So I have my relatives, my sister, has, has Fabres, we've come to find out. Uh, her son has Fabres, we've come to find out. Uh, so, uh, you know, I have that responsibility. Plus, not many people know about it. Everybody knows about cancer, you know, but uh, Fabres is very closely linked with the symptoms of chronic heart fatigue, kidney fatigue, kidney failure. So it's often disguised and treated as always just heart failure. Where there now is an enzyme, uh, you can take enzyme replacement treatment that will diminish the effects of the fabrics. So I felt a responsibility to speak. Well, he was grateful that, I was grateful for that. And in the middle of you dealing with this disease and educating people, let's face it, it has been horrific year with the pandemic, with social injustice, with a political climate that has been on fire. 
However, as I interview you, we just saw the inauguration. Any thoughts on our country moving forward? Because really, Hank, in front of your name will forever be U.S. And you've talked a lot about that, you know, U.S. soccer and being an American. And you've always inspired people about being American. Of course, your son has been on the front lines of protecting our country. It's a, it's a new day today as this airs tomorrow. Dean, one of the things I saw uh, in my career, when I went to the Federation, it was the United States Soccer Federation. And it had this old logo, old tired logo. And I came on board and said, we need to, we need to shift. Uh, we need a new logo, we need a new design, we need a new identity. You know, because the reputation of the Federation was there's a bunch of old guys sitting in smoke-filled rooms making stupid rules about the game. And here we are, we're a young, vibrant, family-oriented uh, sport. And what I decided was, rather than use the term United States, I'd say it was just about us. It's us. We play with one ball. It's us. It's all of us in America. And we all have to come together who are soccer people because we've got the World Cup coming in 94. So if you notice on that logo, it's not USA with a soccer ball. It's us. It's us. And the same is true with our nation. It's us. Let's have philosophical division. Let's have debate. Let's, let's have vibrant democracy, because that's what democracy is. Let's have intellectual conflict. But man, you step over that line, the full weight of the United States ought to come down on your ass like you won't believe. And I hope that's what's going to happen. Because lessons have to be learned. When you're a young kid and you tell a lie, your mother washes your mouth with soap. There's got to be a punishment for all these lies. Mm, well said, Hank Steinbrecher. I love the fact that uh, you're not holding back. Just a couple more questions and we'll let you on your way, Hank Steinbrecher, as we reflect on the digital convention and the one-on-one -on -one interview with Hank Steinbrecher, where we heard so many great stories and celebrated all that Hank has done uh, for the game. Al Albert is also on the show and Al Albert also sends his best. And here's a guy that does put his money where his mouth is heading up the foundation. And you know, his backstory, he had a goal and he hit it. Al is the best. <laughs> so I remember he, he called me one time on the phone and he said, listen, Hank, I, I want to start a foundation uh, for the uh, coaches association would you be interested in helping me? And of course I said, yes, I wish I could help more than I have helped. But he took that and he had a goal at that time of saying, I, I hope to raise a million dollars for the association. Well, by God, <laughs> he's done it. Plus he's just, he's just a great guy. And <laughs> another funny little story. He used to, you know, coach at a camp called, or he used to own a soccer camp called the Tidewater Soccer Camp which was held in the summertime. And most coaches went on this circuit every summer doing summer camps to make some money. So I saw Al at convention one day. He said, I got something to show you. And he showed me a canceled check for $125 for the week's work for the Tidewater Soccer Camp to me. $125 for the week. <laughs> I love that. That's I love how things were back then. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, I was damn ass pleased to have it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Al sends his best. And I wanted to end because as part of our interview, we spent some time talking about uh, the trials and tribulations of, you know, working with the women and the men. However, wow, the future looks bright. I watched the U.S. team intently just the other night, and they look amazing under their new coach, Vlatko Andonovsky. They won 4-0 over Columbia. And then knowing that the coach Burhalter did the one-on-one with Glenn Crooks and touching on that and seeing all of these young superstars, including Claudio's son, and anything related to Claudio, I've got mad time for. I think you agree. He always was a great citizen for U.S. soccer. And I, I guess that's my way of saying, man, I think the future really is bright. I feel like the women are looking like they're going to win another World Cup. And I feel like the men's team is going to be back to where they belong. If you study sport, Dean, and I'm sure you do because of your, your profession is not isolated to soccer. But sport is cyclical. All right. The Yankees are up. The Yankees are down. The Yankees up for a while. The Mets may be. Well, the Mets will never be up. <laughs> The Bulls are up for a while. The Bulls are down. It, it's not linear. It's circular. And U.S. was really high for a while, 2002 World Cup. And then the last couple of years, we've been down. But that pendulum now is coming back up again. Well, I've watched every single national team game on TV. Uh, so uh, the two last two men's games, 6-6, I mean, it was... That's an incredible performance against, even if it's CONCACAF teams that are notably weak. We were notably young, mm-hmm. but the passion, the, the wanting to play for the crest, uh, I, I see that coming back once again. And the woman in the last match, let's face it, Columbia was way overmatched. Uh, but the, the impressive thing was the depth of that team. That, that is an incredible team, incredible team. And, and everything they do, they win. They're not cyclical. <laughs> They've been up here. They just blew my theory. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they, they did blow your theory because I, I don't feel like anything's going to slow them down because they won that game and there was no Tobin Heath, no Christian Press, Rose Lavelle didn't start. And yet you're like, wait, where would they even fit in this lineup that looks so amazing? I disagree with you on I'm concerned about the future because of the new pro leagues in Europe. Mm. You know, that means that they're going to get a lot better. The other, the other countries, the other countries are going to get yeah. a lot better. Yeah. So I see that. I mean, in order to maintain the kind of performances we've had, we have got to become a lot better. Yep. That's well said, Hank. Make sure you always check me at the door. I appreciate that. (laughs) This is great. I'm so glad that uh, you immediately said, yeah, let's indeed run it back. And I, I, I'm so glad that it was because there was a a great outpouring to you and there will continue to be. And uh, here's the goal, whether it's digitally or somehow in person, we'll hope to see you in Kansas city, but we'll keep in touch. Hank Steinbrecher. Thanks for being with us. And thanks for kicking off the show. Your lips to God's ears. Amen. Back with more as Michael Lewis joins us on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. That was the great Hank Steinbrecher.
Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. How about that? We just got off with Hank Steinbrecher, who we had to connect with again because he said his phone was blowing up. And one of the people that is responsible for his phone blowing up is the great Mike Lewis, arguably one of the greatest soccer writers to ever grace the American soccer press. That's for sure. I've known Mike Lewis. We just figured out since 1989, so over three decades He's a Hall of Fame journalist, and he joins me now. Mike Lewis, thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Well, and thanks for your kind words about the interview I had with Hank Steinbrecher. It triggered another interview, so he is right in front of you, Mike. And by the way, on the interview, he also sang your praises, which are well-deserved. But yeah, very special interview, right, with Hank? You know, if there was a, a real in-life convention, I would have attended that session and I would have had my voice recorder going there and I would have said, wow, this is incredible. Hank has uh, is nothing been but an honest person. And I know it's not easy to talk about some of the tough things in his life. I'm thinking, my Lord, if I could only break up this interview into about 10 parts, I could write 10 stories about it. That life-threatening ailment that he has, I don't think a lot of people knew. I, that was breaking news on your part. And then just the Gatorade story, which for all the times I've spoken to him, he never really told me about that. And I said, okay, we've got a very serious story here I could put out at a post and then a much lighter story. And they went together, I think, very, very well. Not only that, there were some other great stories. Like I said, it was a fantastic interview. And I, because you had to be a member or a member of the media with the convention, you couldn't just listen to it, but that's worth listening to and wa watching and listening to. I really appreciate that. You absolutely made my day when you sent the note and then also the article. So thanks so much for that. And you've written a lot of articles, Mike. I'd like you to walk us through your pain as a young journalist. And, you know, you're still a young man, Mike, but uh, walk us through everything you've done until where you are now. Okay, I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version of it all. Started at the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle way back in the soccer stone age of 1974, covering high schools and then eventually uh, soccer, which I didn't want to do. And I'll get to that in a minute. I'll give you the, the entire history. I eventually uh, went down to New York, was writing freelance, did a lot of stories for Soccer America, worked for Lynn Burling, Clay Burling, several editors, including um, Paul Kennedy, among others. Eventually uh, hooked up with the New York Daily News as a soccer columnist, where I wrote there for 22 years. I didn't think it was going to last more than a couple of years, so it was, it was a fantastic ride. During that same time, becoming the editor and publisher of Soccer Week, Unfortunately, Soccer Week went out of business. Then there came Soccer Magazine, which was a monthly, essentially, during the uh, the 1990s. That was a lot of fun. I don't think you could pull off a monthly soccer publication today with all the news happening so quickly because of the internet, but it was still a lot of fun to do. After that, I formed Big Apple Soccer with uh, Charlie Catone, and that gig uh, was in 2004. That lasted until 2017, where uh, went uh, to frontrowsoccer.com, which I am the editor right now. 
saying that, I have also written for Newsday since then. I've been there, I guess, their chief soccer correspondent through last year. Because of the pandemic, there has not been anything to cover. I've written a history column for The Guardian, which I don't think I would have been able to do in my younger days. Because I think sometimes you have to live through it. I think you've got to live through it and to really appreciate it. And unfortunately, not only do I know where some of the bodies are buried, as they say, I think I've seen the bodies getting buried as well. This is an incredible but true story, how I got to to cover soccer, which I knew very little about in 1974. I knew about Pelé. The team in, in Rochester, New York, was called the Rochester Lancers. They played in the same league as the uh, New York Cosmos. I got a chance to see them play during the summer of 74 during a, um, a dinner break from the newspaper. And the fans invaded the field and went after their own players. And I said, thank heavens, I don't have to cover this game. That was July 74. Six months later, 1975, Bill Parker, the assistant sports editor of the DNC, calls me over to his desk. And I see a pile of uh, papers and files And he starts talking about soccer and the Lancers. And I'm thinking, my worst nightmare is going to happen. I don't know anything about this game. And of course, he said, congratulations. You're covering the Rochester Lancers, your first professional team. And he pushes the files toward me. And all I wanted to do was push it right back at him. I'm 22 years old. All the writers and editors there were under a year's probation when you joined the paper. I didn't want to lose my job. So, of course, I accepted it. And... I called it the Stone Age of Soccer. For us, it was because there was maybe soccer made in Germany once a week on Sundays. You couldn't find soccer in magazines or newspapers as well, too. The internet, that was just a a hope in someone's uh, mind. And I just had to dig for uh, information. Fortunately, I had some great mentors at the newspaper. The former writer became an assistant editor, so he helped me. And I had a lot of people just holding my hand early on, because the worst thing you want to do is embarrass yourself in public. It took me about three years before I really got used to the sport, having confidence to maybe ask a question to the coach and the coach not coming back at me saying you're wrong. And I'll say, no, I I will stick with this. I'm not going to say the coach is wrong. I'm not going to insult him, but at least I had an opinion. But it took me three years until I was comfortable. Now, by then, Pelé had joined the Cosmos, Soccer was on its way up, so it became much more of a trendy sport. Trendy in quotes. (laughs) Well, you've certainly been trending for a long time. In fact, you talk about the public. How about the big announcement during the MLS Cup where it's the first MLS Cup you had to miss, understandably, because safety first because of COVID, but really nice special tribute to you during that broadcast, Michael. You know, as a journalist, we're supposed to have our names below the byline, not above the byline, and you don't want to make news. This time, I guess I made news, but for the right reasons. But it's ironic. And, and, and the league has mentioned, they have mentioned my name. You know, Michael Lewis is at his 20th in a row, 20th MLS Cup in a row, which is, which is very, very nice. But to get recognized because you're not there, that, that's, I think, a different orbit. It's humbling. Again, they didn't have to do it. I, w- I was surprised. And it was very, very strange because I'm sitting on my living room couch have my laptop literally on my lap. Yeah, I miss the camaraderie of the other writers. Uh, the last several MLS Cups, as it turns out, I've been sitting next to Paul Kennedy. Probably, maybe they just said, hey, let's put those two all-timers together. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it's good to bounce ideas and thoughts off of other people, too. I'm humble enough to know 
and to admit that I don't have all the answers. And sometimes you get ideas from talking to people. And I really missed that at the game. It, it was a great game for the home team, no doubt about it. Yeah, a nice shout out from John Strong. So we know you've made every MLS Cup but that one. I didn't prep you for this, so I don't know if you'll know it, but I do want to know how many men's World Cups, how many women's World Cups, and how many Olympics you've been able to cover live. Do you know the answer to that, Michael Lewis? Yes, I do. It's, it's a number that's less than the 24. Uh, I've done 13 World Cups together, eight men, five women, and seven Olympics, by the way. I've been at three world championships for the U.S., 1999, 2015, and of course, 2019. I, I never thought I'd ever see a U.S. team win a world championship in any soccer event. And 1999, legendary team. We didn't know how legendary at the time. And I've been to every women's Olympic gold medal match, but 2016, I did not attend. Brazil was going to be way too costly. I've joked with some people at U.S. soccer saying that, hey, I've been to every gold medal match and I've seen them win. And the reason why you didn't win is because I wasn't there in 2016. <laughs> You've got to find a way to get me to Tokyo. But seriously, um, that's history unto itself, too. Even the gold medal match in 2000 against Norway, one of the greatest matches I have ever seen. The U.S. lost, but it was still fantastic because in stoppage time, I don't know how many people know this, but Mia Hamm, who's known for her goal-scoring exploits, sends a, a right-wing cross into the middle to Tiffany Milbert. And Tiffany Milbert, who is probably the smallest player on the field, heads it home to tie the game up and send it into extra time. And it was just a battle of two great prize fighters fighting. Unfortunately, the U.S. lost in, in extra time but it was still one of the, the greatest women's games I've ever seen. I could appreciate a U.S. loss. Uh, I like that. Love going down memory lane with Michael Lewis, and it was sparked by his fine comments about the interview that I was able to have as part of the digital convention with famed Secretary General for U.S. Soccer, Hake Steinbrecher, who actually is on this podcast again, reflecting on good words from Michael Lewis and others that have reached out, really, Michael, because of your response to the interview. So, Thank you for that. I'm going to put you under pressure again. I often get this question on the, quote, rotary circuit, who was my favorite women's player and who's my favorite men's player, and it varies depending on how I'm feeling, but I'm going to ask you to, and it doesn't have to be based on ability, it almost, I'd rather have it be based on interview savviness, you know, because there's usually somebody like that that stands out both on the men's side and the women's side. Can you pick one from each? Sure. For, for the women, I would say Michelle Akers. That's my pick, always. <laughs> uh, because, well, first of all, as a player, I mean, she didn't define one, but she defined two positions out there, a striker and defensive midfielder. And I like to compare it to Babe Ruth. He might not have defined a pitcher, but he was a hell of a pitcher, and we all know what he did as a batter. And Michelle, she was great uh, taking her time, talking to me one-on-one -on -one or in a... Um, Mix zone, although way back then they might not have had mix zones as much as they do today, but Zoe's put things into perspective. And don't get me wrong, there is other some other great players out there. There are a lot of people that are running for second, third, and fourth place. For the men, I'd have to say Landon Donovan. And I, I know you, you, people thinking, of course, they're the two two of the greatest players ever from the United States. Landon could put things into perspective after a game. 
it's almost like you don't even, I felt like you didn't even have to ask him a question. It's like, you could say, well, Landon, what do you think of today's game? And maybe he'd give you this fantastic answer and you could break it up into three quotes and there it was. Obviously it was more than that. You wanted to have him be a, a little, even a little more introspective. We all know what he did on the field too. Game that I remember was against Algeria, that last second uh, goal, uh, stoppage time goal, I guess. And I remembered when Tim Howard threw the ball out and I just said, watch it. This could happen. I've, I've seen enough things in soccer. I get my spidey sense going. <laughs> and I remember just watching the whole sequence. And I probably, the entire press box was as well, too. And it was, I think, Rustenburg, I believe. Rustenburg, South Africa. And I remember just that entire sequence. And as an American, I was elated. And then because I was writing for the New York Daily News on an internet deadline, I all then brought back my emotions and said, okay, now you've got to write a very quick story, you know, your lead for the internet. I had most of the story in front of me. When you're a writer and you're covering international sports and the international, uh, well, the team is from your own country, you've got to make sure your emotions are in check. I think you could have those emotions for a few seconds, but you got to bring it back in again. Michael Lewis, two more questions for you. As you know, this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. We just completed the first ever digital convention. It exceeded my expectations, and I had a blast because the people that work for United Soccer Coaches, starting with Lynn Berling Manuel, Jeff Van Dusen, Erica Dyer, right down to all the coaches that are members, 20,000 plus. I thought it was awesome. I don't know how much you were able to take in. I know you obviously saw the Hank interview. Give us a quick, as you said, Reader's Digest synopsis of how you thought the convention went doing this the first time I, I i thought the organization pulled it off so well and what i liked about it is if you missed a session you could watch it as well too yeah unfortunately i could not see everything i wanted to see i had to do some of my day job sometimes i had to be on a conference call with u.s soccer and doing some writing sometimes i had things in the background there was less of an excuse for anyone to miss a session. I went more toward Glenn Crooks had uh, the U.S. national team players on. I thought that was a great session. Jesse Marsh, who I covered with the Red Bulls. Now he's with another Red Bull team in that same organization. Didn't want to miss anything from him because uh, what he has accomplished in a short period of time, especially after what Bob Bradley did in, in Egypt and in Europe, that was, I think, important. Kevin Thelwell from the Red Bulls. His session on particulars with the, in, in the front office, putting a team together, that sort of thing. Always wanted to find out, okay, why is he doing this? Maybe it's not going to be worth a story, but just, uh, just to watch. Yes, some of them, I did have my tape recorder going just in case there was a story happening. And I, you know, I watched a few others to here or there, had it in the background. I watched the Walter Chiswick because I know all these people that are, are getting honored. And, you know, Bob Bradley, I hate to use uh, another New York connection, but he was um, a Metro Stars coach. Metro Stars were essentially, uh, eventually the Red Bulls um, because he was someone I admired as a person and as a coach. And I, I won't get too much into it, but um, he gave a lot of respect to the writers in New York. And he even tried to teach us the game as well too and i what i mean by that is inside soccer what to look for it's helped me watch games and watch different situations on the field great breakdown we'll end it with a 30 second thought on hank steinbrecher who i just spoke to who sends his best 
if you had a chance to say some words to Hank Steinbrecher and you do now, what would it be, um, Michael Lewis? Hank, you've been a fantastic friend, colleague for almost three decades. One thing about Hank, if he didn't like something of mine, he would tell me. But he would also, the door was a two, it was like a revolving door too. If I didn't like something about U.S. soccer, I was allowed to tell him. And it was almost like, okay, boom, you know, we made a verbal slap at me, but I wouldn't hold it against him because it was like, okay, fine. And we move on from there. And that's when I think you get respect for someone. And I'll say this, he's a tough act to follow. And I had to follow him um, today because of Reverend Hank, you know, the way he gave speeches in the, in, as secretary general, a great person. And I, I think I might've told you in the email, I knew that he wasn't doing well. And as a friend, I would never ever reveal that. And I'm glad that you asked him the question and he was willing to talk about it so people know. And I'm just glad also that Wilson College uh, named the field after him as well too, which I thought was a great thing as well too. I just hope he's still with us in, for many, many years because uh, like I said, a good organizer, good company man, but a much, much better person. I, I wish only the best for you. I appreciate you taking time out to talk to Dean last week, but o only the best for you. And I hope you get healthy very, very, very soon. One of the best people I've ever met in soccer. You nailed it. You brought chills just the way you do when you write about the game that you've grown to love. You didn't like it initially. Now it is uh, your life, Michael Lewis, and we are the better for it. Thank you so much again for reaching out about the Hank interview and then also agreeing to be on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. It's an honor to reconnect, Michael. I always enjoyed my time with you and hopefully uh, we'll have more time together. Listen, it was an honor being on the show and thank you for inviting me. Uh, as long as we have the right time to do it, that's fine with me. All right, Michael Lewis. We'll be back with Jeff Van Dusen, the Director of Operations and Events, who pulled off a great convention digitally. College coaches, make sure your program is registered for the 2020-21 College Services Program. While the 2020-21 season looks much different than any of us anticipated, we are committed to providing benefits for College Services members year-round. The College Services Program supports and promotes the college game, including rankings and awards for participating programs, regardless of when your season is played. For more information or to register your program, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. So glad to be joined again by Jeff Van Dusen, the Director of Operations and Events for United Soccer Coaches. This past convention, the one that was digital, the one that I think exceeded all of our expectations was actually Jeff Van Dusen's 10th convention coming out of the college game and taking over for United Soccer Coaches. It was number 10 and it was definitely unique, Jeff, but as I just said, it exceeded my expectations. I hope it exceeded yours. Oh, it's the best digital convention I've ever been a part of, Dean. <laughs> uh, yeah, it exceeded expectations, I think, for everybody. You know, when you've got a good staff with Eric and Andrew and the rest of the national office staff with some vision and and heart and soul, I think there's always going to be a good product coming out of this office. Well, and no doubt our partnership as well with the company formerly called Harvest, that helped too, right? You know, when I was hired back in 2011 and, um, you know, going into Kansas City Convention 2012, I really wanted to find a partner that really would kind of make us look good. And what HMX Live does is they do all the production, all the lighting, all the sound, all the ambiance of, of a convention, of an in-person convention. They make it come to life visually. They know who we are. 
and what our expectations are. And I think they really went the extra mile to make us look good and sound good and have an unbelievable production to our members. I would say the biggest thing about a convention, as you know, is the buzz that's in the lobby and the networking and the side huddles and that type of thing. But, you know, really between the socials with all the advocacy groups, between the awards banquet, between the late night red apron visits, I feel like while, you know, look, we couldn't hug each other and and laugh in person we were definitely laughing and loving and enjoying each other and enjoying our fraternity sorority that is the association. That's true. That was important to us. We, you know, I look at the the live event in four elements. One is we got to bring a first class education event. I think we did that. Number two, we've got to recognize and celebrate the achievements of our coaches in the game. I think we did that in in multiple aspects. Um, with the awards banquet and the All-America ceremony. I think, you know, the business side of the game, which was the exhibit hall, I think we really did that as well with about 150 companies exhibiting and, and you know, having that face-to-face interaction. You know, and then the last one was networking. That's a very, very important aspect of the convention in person, but also we made it very, very important for the digital convention. I was really impressed with the number of interactions, whether it was during the sessions with the chat features, whether it was getting private meetings or connecting uh, via profiles and that, even participating in the socials. I think we had very good numbers and and I think uh, people walked away thinking that that was uh, a pretty cool event and hopefully they were able to network and 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 meet some new people like they would in in, in the real person. Oftentimes at the live convention, whether it's via the drafts or a session, particularly a panel session, we also make news and we definitely made news. And in particular, our leadoff guest, Hank Steinbrecher, giving more details on his health status, telling the story of the Gatorade shower, one that I had known, but I didn't realize other people didn't know. It made news. Michael Lewis picked it up. He's also on the show right before you. Hank Steinbrecher was really grateful for the opportunity and was grateful like you to return on this week's show. And I think you're going to like what he has to say about the digital convention as well. Hank is, um, he's a pillar for this sport in this country. And, you know, I, I was able to thank him as a, as a kid growing up in the eighties and, you know, soccer was just starting to really generate excitement in this country. And I just thanked him because he brought this huge stage, the world cup, you know, in the, in the 80s and 90s to, you know, United States. And, and so to hear that story, to hear his heartfelt passion for the association is encouraging. And it's, it's such an example of, of how one's passion and excitement for the game can really generate excitement to others. Two more questions for you. Al Albert will follow you. And as you know, particularly during a pandemic, the foundation has had to step up. There's been coaches that are furloughed and the foundation has extended their hand to help coaches. It's really cool what the foundation does with the association. It's amazing. You know, Al has done an amazing job with that. I know he wanted to make sure that it generated a million dollars and then he would step away. And, you know, now with Jeff Fennell, in charge and and overseeing that the foundation uh, we, we we're able to reach out to so many coaches that didn't think they can have an opportunity within our association to experience it and 
I, I'm thankful for the foundation. I think they've been able to find some good money with Target Corporation and, and other generous people that have given back to the association. And what that's done is that created some amazing experiences for people that usually wouldn't have been able to uh, participate. Finally, Jeff Van Dusen, I think it's fair to say that the digital convention was such a smashing success that you will now be tasked with the notion of adding some digital elements in. And there's that balance, right? We want everybody there, but you know, can the digital way help other people? And now you got to figure out a way to, to make that harmonize, right? We were going down this path after coming home from Baltimore a year ago. Um, we were going to have some aspect uh, we called it a hybrid event where there would be some type of sessions, but we've got some great ideas coming out of this year's digital convention that I think that we can institute into the live events, both that people at the live event can, can, can be more receptive maybe to a, a Zoom interview with a coach from overseas, right? For example, let's say a Mourinho, would he talk to our group next year in person? live via satellite. Obviously, it's very hard to get EPL coaches over to the United States that week during in January because they're in season. So maybe now we're all more receptive to watching a, 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 a video of that. Now we can also reach so many more. And you saw it during the, during the digital convention, people from all over the world tuned in. And it was pretty cool to see, hey, uh, high from Singapore or high from Thailand and high from China. And you just see all this uh, during the chat feature. And I, I think there will be some really cool elements to it. We've got a lot of good ideas. In fact, when I get off here, when I get off with you, we're gonna, we've got a kind of a debrief meeting with my two assistants. And that's one of the topics on the agenda is where do we go from here with this digital aspect? All right. At the risk of missing anybody, I want to end with thanking some people. I especially want to thank you, Jeff Van Dusen, for allowing me to be involved. I want to thank Lynn Berling Manuel for her inspirational emails every day. They were great. You already mentioned Erica Dyer and Andrew Dare, who did such a great job with the setup. Toby was outstanding. Lee Gerald was great. John, Remy, and Mary always being there. All the great folks at HMX Live, Steve Veal and John Mayer. I also want to thank Pat Madden. And then my co-hosts, including Dr. Ray Sieplick for the banquet and him stepping in. And then Ian Barker was off the charts. Fantastic. Brian Turner, big time personality. Nicole Hercules was outstanding. And Julio Serrano, I think I, I hit everybody. They were amazing. And then Jeff, because I'm such a humble man, I just wanted to make sure if you knew that I got a game ball somewhere in there. <laughs> you did. You got, Someone told me that. Uh, that was actually really, it was great and well-deserved. And, and, you know, it was not only just for your work with the digital convention, Dean, you are, you know, the voice of the association and everything that you do for the convention, you hardly ever say no. And usually if you do tell me no, it's because your voice is about shot, right? <laughs> it's protecting that. So, but you, you've been the voice of the association for a long time and do a lot of great things. And the game ball is very well-deserved. And for those of you that don't know about the game ball, it's something that I instituted when, when I came here, it's about outstanding efforts to the convention. And, you know, this year we gave one to you, Dean, we gave one to Ian, we gave one to Toby, and then we gave one to HMX Live. And, and so uh, we try and rotate that every year. And, and a lot of those people that you've named earlier, 
and thanked. They've, they've received game balls in previous years. So it was pretty awesome. So it was, uh, it was a great week and, and um, we're, we're already now starting to work on Kansas city 2022. Well, I really appreciate it. I always wear my emotions on my sleeve, and I was giddy beyond uh, any understanding. But it's the little things in life, Jeff, that mean so much, and I think you get that. So I really, truly appreciate the game ball. I've already put it in a great place, and um, I'm really grateful. So thank you so much, and thanks for a great digital convention. All right, Dean. We'll talk to you soon. Always, always have time and appreciation for Jeff Van Dusen. A job well done on the digital convention. We come back, Al Albert, legendary coach at William & Mary, phenomenal fundraiser. He got the foundation started for United Soccer Coaches, had a goal of one million, he hit it, and he's still involved. Al Albert on the bounce. High school coaches are presented unique challenges both on and off the field of play. The United Soccer Coaches High School Diploma, now delivered in an all online format, supplies coaches with the knowledge needed to perform the distinctive role high school coaches play in the development of young players. This updated diploma takes a look at the ongoing duties of the high school coach and how to better prepare them for the responsibilities given to them in that position. For more information or to register, go to unitedsoccercoaches.org education. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. What a great show. Hank Steinbrecher to kick it off. Michael Lewis, one of the veteran soccer reporters. Jeff Van Dusen with an update on the digital convention. And now I'm pleased to be joined by a dear friend of the association. I also call him a friend, the legendary former head coach for William & Mary Men's Soccer and also legendary for his work as the chair of the foundation committee. He is now the chair of the fundraising committee for the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. We're talking about Al Albert. Al, thanks for joining the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I am very happy to be with you, Dean. Uh, Happy to follow my friends that you just mentioned, especially uh, Hank Steinbrecher, who is one of our original committee members, is now a committee member uh, emeritus of the foundation. Well, that's fantastic. Obviously, you were just able to take in the digital convention, and I wanted to reach out to you because, uh, for me, it was... uh, a spectacular week being up close and personal with the staff and also seeing Dr. Ray Sieplik and seeing the almost nightly Zooms with the Red Aprons and some of the legendary leaders of the association. First, let's talk about that because I think almost nightly or every other night, so many Red Aprons and distinguished members of the association got together and it was special. There was a lot of laughter. In fact, I mean, so much laughter and even the wives were uh, probably the funniest of the group. It's a special group, isn't it? It really is. And I'm honored to be a member of them now. I used to be the youngest member. Now I'm kind of in the middle since we just added, uh, you know, Louise Waxler and Ralph Polson and George Perry. It's an esteemed group, the Red Aprons. And, you know, a lot of those folks are also like Jeff Fennell and Ray Sieplick are on the foundation committee. And I think we've seen the foundation kind of be uh, a place where the Red Aprons uh, come to, you know, celebrate everything that's good about the association. And obviously the foundation is about raising money and doing good works, but it's also a bit of a social place for those people to to gather when we do have the convention. And of course we did it digitally the other, the other night. Now more than ever, the foundation has played such a key role. This pandemic has been awful. It's been just a 
horrific nine, 10, 11 months, feels like 11 years. And yet the foundation has stepped up to help those coaches that have been furloughed or lost their jobs. And they're still looking to help some coaches in need, right? Absolutely. The mission of the foundation has evolved over the years. Originally, the only awards that were given were for non-residential courses. And then we had the idea, well, why don't we give scholarships for people to go to our residential courses? And then we came up with the idea, well, if we're doing that, why don't we give scholarships to go to the convention, which for many people is their connection to the association. And of course, this year, with so many people uh, having financial issues, and obviously, if you got a choice between, you know, feeding your family and paying your car insurance or being a member of the association. Some people just said, you know, I can't afford to write that check. And so we stepped in and said, okay, instead of giving course awards, let's, let's uh, cover people's memberships this year. And uh, it was a big success. We've gotten a lot of thank yous and positive response from everybody. And I think, you know, we don't have a lot of money. We're certainly uh, a P compared to the U S soccer foundation has, you know, tens of millions of dollars, but I think this year we put our resources to really good work. Al, you can't do it all. You were the chair of the foundation committee forever, it seems like. And now Jeff Finnell is handling it. You mentioned Kevin Denson. Mike Curry's got his hands all over it as well. As a, a leader, you know, a good sign of a leader is handing off responsibilities. Just talk about sharing those responsibilities. No, absolutely. Look, uh, I was fortunate. I have a dual lens of soccer and fundraising. Coach for 33 years now, 17 years as a, a fundraiser for William and Mary. And so my talent to, to bring and time for the foundation is in fundraising. And I ran the show along with the, the help of many people for a few years, but Jeff was very willing and, and with Kevin's help, uh, stepped up to take over the chairmanship uh, Mike Curry is a man of immense talents and, uh, and has, you know, uh, really uh, continues every day to bring uh, energy and expertise to the foundation. And we have other committee members that, um, you know, we're getting involved in different ways. It's about me handing it off, but obviously I want to see this thing last for, you know, many, many years. And so we've got to have that team and and we now have set up term limits for the chairmanship of the foundation committee. And I think that's a good thing too. And, you know, people will be on it as long as they want to be on it, but then at some point um, they will become emeritus members, just like uh, mentioned Hank Steinbrecher and Jerry Yeagley are our two emeritus members, two big names in soccer in this country. Yeah, the Godfather and Hank Steinbrecher. It's hard to get any <laughs> bigger than that, although you're right up there with those, Al. And I mean that uh, sincerely. Listen, the association does such a great job recognizing great achievements, and the foundation is now doing that as well. This year's William Holloman Award, and again, that's another great name, went to Brian Green. I had Brian Green on last week, I believe, and he was overjoyed with getting this award. Yeah, Brian, uh, you know, I met Brian <laughs> through Maccabea Soccer when he was playing for the over 35s in Argentina, and I was helping Amos McGee coach the Open team. And then he played when I coached the open team, the uh, 35s in uh, Israel. So, I, you know, I've been around Brian in soccer, but in conversations with him, you know, it was clear that he had something to offer to the association. And so, as I, I think he explained in our, when he was interviewed for our event, we brought him on board to help 
with some financial issues we had and then got him involved in the foundation. And he has done an amazing job of managing our resources for no fee, <laughs> which is nice. It's an example of some of the untapped resources that we have. If we you know, reach out on different uh, areas, uh, there's a tremendous amount of talent in our association uh, that can really help in those, in those ways. Great to be with Al Albert. Couple more questions, Al. We just talked about the fact that this last convention was digital. The goal is, the hope is that we'll all be together back in Kansas City. I know you're looking forward to that. I mean, we talk about it a lot, but the convention truly is a special, special time. Yeah, you know, my my connection to the Coaches Association is 90% the convention. I mean, I, I, was, I ran a, a rating group for a while as a college coach. Uh, I actually did my premier uh, badge in San Antonio. I don't think I've still don't think I've recovered physically from that about 10 years ago. But really, the convention to me is, you know, the association getting together. I compared it to college homecoming for a lot of people. They have much stronger relationships with their coaches association than they do even with the school that they went to or coached. And when you see people hugging in the lobby, and, you know, you know, just, you know, getting back together. I mean, that's a very powerful thing. And that's something that has, you know, enabled us to really build this foundation is the way, you know, we have uh, over 40 legacy members, which means pe basically people have put us in their will or, you know, as a beneficiary of their IRA or something like that. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, the convention is, uh, <laughs> It is really the melting pot of soccer in this country. You know, I, I know MLS Cup is getting a, a really good brand for a weekend, uh, we pre-COVID. And, uh, you know, but where can you see Bruce Arena brushing shoulders with a U8 youth coach? You know, it's just, it's that kind of atmosphere. And yet within that convention, you have, you know, the college coaches getting together and, you know, the different advocacy groups. So. Um, I just think it's a it's remarkable the way it's evolved. Other countries have probably tried to replicate it and in some cases have been successful, but somehow through all the years of volunteer management and now, you know, with the national staff, we've we've managed to keep this thing, you know, relatively apolitical and, you know, and now on good financial, you know, terms. Al, as we close it out, I've always uh, appreciated your time and and what you've done with the association you've always been super nice to me and i've always appreciated that uh if you've got something on your mind you'll say it so with that what what is on your mind right now is uh, we push forward and look to get back to kansas city and look to continue to raise money and build the association what, what's on your mind and how can people get involved so you've got the floor and you can promote al well, you know that I'm all about the foundation. I, uh, what's on my mind is this morning, I just finished uh, the book Wenger, which John Daly lent me and I'm giving to another coach. And at the end, he talks about soccer in America and how important coaching is, that it's not just having a lot of people play, but you have to get the best players together to compete against each other. You have to have good coaching at, at all levels. And I think that's the whole message of the foundation is, whether it's helping uh, members who can't pay their membership or sending them to coaching courses or sending them to the convention to get exposed to all those things, that it's all about, you know, raising the level of coaching in this country, which ultimately 
leads to the development of the kind of players that we're seeing in MLS and also overseas. And I don't have to tell you know you all the exciting things that are happening at the national level. Um, and I think it all starts with you know coaching. Uh, who is the first person to teach Christian Pulisic how to kick a ball? Fortunately, his parents were both very good players. Um, but some of these other people, you know, if we drilled back to who their first coaches were, I mean, that's a pretty important thing is how did they apply their foot to the ball, receive a ball, you know, in the beginning and learn to dribble. And I think that's the, you know, the message that we have is, uh, you know, I, I mean, I shudder to think of my early days of coaching. I went to a USSF coaching course, C license with Detmark Kramer, you know, in the seventies, uh, before I had my first team as a head coach. And, you know, just the things I learned there made me a better coach for that season. Now, looking back, it was pretty rough. You know, <laughs> I was missing a lot of pieces and still am. But that's the, that's the thing that, you know, coaching education and, and being part of a coach association brings to the, the big picture of soccer in the United States. So that's that's my that's what's on my mind right now all right well let's end though with uh, reminding people if they want to give if they want to turn their ira over like you said if they want to get involved <laughs> in the foundation how do they do that well you can go to the foundation uh, to, i'm sorry to the association's website and there is a coaches gives tab at the top which will take you to our foundation pages and there's obviously a donation tool there uh, they can also send a check to the association, but uh, most people like to give online now. If not, you can give out my email address. My email is afalbe at wm.edu. Al Albert, always a pleasure. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Good to see your smiling face, and thanks for all you do for the association and the association's foundation. And thank you, Dean. It's great to see you and hear your voice, and uh, thanks for everything you do for the association and for soccer. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see you at a soccer game sometime in the future at William & Mary. That sounds great. And when we return, we wrap it up with another visit with a 30 under 30 member, Kelsey Yam, assistant coach at Hofstra. Kelsey Yam, when we return. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I'm always pleased to wrap up the show by meeting another member of the current 30 under 30 class. And we do that now with Kelsey Yam, who has been the assistant coach since 2019 at Hofstra University. This comes after a run at Clarkson University, where she served as the head coach of the Golden Knights for three seasons. She is actually a former player for Skidmore College with a degree in management and business and a minor in mathematics. She played four seasons with the Thoroughbreds, gaining all-conference status on three occasions while leading her team to a pair of NCAA tournament appearances in 2009 and 2011. Kelsey Yam, 30 Under 30, joins me now. Kelsey, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? All right. First off, how have you dealt 
with the pandemic? How has Hofstra dealt with it? And uh, are you guys going to be able to play some games in the spring? What's the plan? Yeah, I think Hofstra has done a really nice job. Of course, there's a lot of waiting and and clearance from different different levels um, all throughout. But um, so we had a a non-traditional season in the fall, just practicing phased in. So started with strength and conditioning, then some non-contact and then we were able to, to play full contact just uh, within our own team. Um, and then we're gearing up for a, a short spring season starting next week, January 28th. So uh, we'll play a sh- shortened conference schedule, only playing the, the teams closest to us. So four teams in conference and then local games, non-conference. Um, and then they're, they're planning for playoffs and NCAAs in a modified format. So that that's hopeful and we'll see how it goes. All right, well, let's get to know you a little bit better. I see you're from Long Meadow, Mass., which is awesome. One of my wife's best friends is from Long Meadow, Mass., and I think that's not too far from Hofstra, so it's got to be nice for you to be closer to home, unless I'm wrong about that, but I think, I think I'm right. But tell us uh, what club you played for before you went to Skidmore and then when you knew you wanted to start coaching. It is nice to be a lot closer. I played for Oakwood Soccer Club, which is in Glastonbury, Connecticut, or based out of Glastonbury, Connecticut. Um, Long Meadow Mass is right on the Connecticut border, so it was easy to get there. Um, went to Skidmore, and then my head coach at Skidmore ended up as the head coach at Clarkson, Sarah Raymond. So when I graduated Skidmore, she had a grad assistant position open. So it was a nice chance to continue my degree in business um, and, and try out coaching and kind of stay in the, the sport world. So I uh, did that. And then after my two years as a GA, I just decided to stick with coaching and um, was really enjoying it at that point. Was there a gap in there where you became the head coach at Clarkson? So clearly she left or something happened there. How did you end up getting that job? Yeah, after my two years as a GA at Clarkson, I went on to be a full-time assistant at Vassar College um, and was happy there. Loved my head coach, was learning a lot. um, And Sarah ended up moving on to Williams College, where she is now. Her husband uh, became the football coach there. So their family moved from Potsdam. Um, And I I wasn't really looking for head coaching positions at the time, but Clarkson was a program I, I loved and I felt connected to already and went for it and was lucky enough to to get that so I ended up back there after about nine months to a year and how did you learn and grow in that position and then talk about uh, the decision to move to Hofstra yeah Clarkson was was great I mean I love the people up there um, huge support system so it was easy in that sense but being a, a new and a young head coach wasn't <laughs> easy um, but Clarkson was a great place. And like I said, one that I I felt strongly about. Um, And we had a a few good years and I had a chance to work with Sarah there and, and kind of learn a lot about the recruiting to a unique school, a unique location in in Clarkson um, and just see a lot of the history of the program. So I felt excited about kind of building that. And I knew the players were committed to that. Um, So we ended up having a few good years there. Um, One in particular, um, the players, we're just all in. So a lot of what I chose to do tactically um, and culturally worked because the players were ready for it and they wanted it. So that was really cool. Um, and then my my choice for Hofstra was kind of driven personally. Um, and it was a move. I'm getting married this summer. So my fiance is from this area. So we are looking to, to relocate and, and be in the same place. We hadn't been in the same place for a while. Um, and so I was looking at jobs as they opened. Um, and 
this was probably the best I felt I could have landed now that I've been on Long Island for a while. So um, I feel really lucky to, to be here as an assistant um, at a successful program, working for good people. Um, and it's been a change for me moving to division one and moving locations, um, but it's been great. And tell us those good people at Hofstra, who's the head coach there and who's on your staff? Yeah, the head coach is Simon Ridioff, who played here, um, and then he's been here ever since as an assistant and then took over as the head coach. Um, the associate head coach is Jerry Lucy, and then our volunteer assistant is Rory McGinnis. And what made you decide to apply for this 30 under 30 program, which is pretty cool? Yeah, I had looked at it several years in a row, and when I was at Clarkson, I felt a little bit too too busy or I guess too consumed in my program to really feel I could commit to 30 under 30 if I were to to have been accepted. Um, so I, I kept kind of passing it on. And then this year was my last year under 30 and I, I felt I should go for it. It wasn't something I wanted to to pass up the chance to to do. So I'm happy to have been accepted and, and to be a part of it now. One of the nuggets about your bio that I like is the fact that you also participated with the Soccer Without Borders program in Uganda in the summer of 2012, where you coordinated and coached soccer and English class sessions for nearly 100 refugee children. I gotta believe that time still lives long in your memories. Yeah, definitely. That was a great experience. Um, the way I got into it was Skidmore had always run a a local kids camp and all the funds that we raised from that camp went towards Soccer Without Borders Uganda. Uh, one of their founders had a connection to a Skidmore alum um, years back. And so we had always been connected to that program as just a student athlete at Skidmore. Um, and so my junior year, I applied to, to do a summer internship there. Um, and it was great to just see where our funds had gone um, and just a really cool experience. Um, all around, just being immersed in a new culture, seeing how they experience soccer, um, academics, how it all tied in. Um, yeah, so that's a cool part and something I, I wanna stay more connected to that I haven't as much as I'd like to in recent years. Super proud of you for doing that. Just two more questions for you. As uh, we just learned uh, via you that you're getting married, you're now back closer to where you grew up. Uh, if you had a crystal ball and if you've listened to my interviews with the other 30 under 30 members, I always ask them where do they see themselves 10 years from now? Do you have any idea, Kelsey, what's your plan 10 years from now? I don't. I'd love to, to still be coaching. Um, I really want to be a part of a program that I can feel connected to, connected to the local community, the campus community, and feel I can really give my all to that program and not feel torn in other places personally or other things I want to do. So I, I feel pretty settled here right now um, and happy with what I'm doing and, and with my personal life. There are certain certain areas like Skidmore, I always have a soft spot for that. If that job were to open, then that would be something I'd certainly think about. Um, but I don't have a an end goal for 10 years um, as of now, but feel good yeah, well, where I am and feel good staying there for now. Yeah, plus you're getting married and that's gonna be a new <laughs> chapter in your life. So congratulations yeah, on that. All right, well, end it with this. You just fill in the blank. To me, Kelsey Yam, United Soccer Coaches means what? A chance for people of all ages, resources, areas to learn and grow through soccer and use that as a, a way to expand their opportunities or their happiness, whatever that might be. 
That's a good answer. I like that. Nice and short and sweet. Kelsey Yam, congrats on being a member of the 30 Under 30. And thank you for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks a lot. All right. I want to thank all of our guests, Hank Steinbrecher, Michael Lewis, Jeff Van Dusen, Al Albert, and 30 Under 30 superstar Kelsey Yam. I want to say so long and Good luck to Mike Knipper, who is moving on from the association. I'll now be working with Bailey Conklin on the association side, as well as Sean Chevrel. And I also want to thank Colin Thrash, the great producer of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. For each and every one of them and all those people I thanked for a glorious time at the Digital Convention, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.